Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth. I am your host, Lindsay Mack. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, welcome, happy full moon, happy pink moon to everyone listening. And, and really, from anywhere you are, I'm sending you the most gorgeous, full-hearted moon blessings that I hope infuse into your very bones and take you to the next cycles of your life. This moon is very powerful. Um, It's the first moon that I feel like, at least for me, that I feel like I can really do something with. The first full moon in maybe a while that I feel like I can kind of work with and get with. The other ones I've been too busy kind of buried (laughs) under the weight of the moon. (laughs) Um, This one feels good. Um, Remember that with the medicine of Libra, we have both kind of the frequencies of justice and empress. Whenever we work with the energy of Libra, we have this powerful, powerful soul invitation from Libra that says, and it implores us to kind of find the balance in even the imbalance, to find our footing kind of no matter what happens. And Libras are so good. That's why they excel so deeply at attempting to innate and find beauty in whatever is, because it's a form of balance. It's a form of peace that Libra can bring to the world. So there's a lot of beauty in that when we think about any imbalances in our lives. And, you know, I'm not anti-imbalance. I should just say that. I think imbalances are uh, sometimes uncomfortable, but very often Um, powerful invitations, strong communications, good information, like we're not making anything a problem. But if there is kind of an excess or a, um, and kind of an undercut in some area of your life, we can call upon Libra to bring that back into balance. So if there's an intention that you can set at this moon, just simply saying, you know, I'm noticing this area is not being fed or is, you know, in excess of some kind. And I see it and I want to kind of bring a little bit more coolness to the heat or a little bit more heat to the cool, you know, whatever it is, Libra can help you. And then remember, this is Empress's energy. Like Libra is, um, very connected to the Empress because Libra's ruling planet is Venus. So there's a lot, a lot, a lot of beauty that can happen. And Empress does have some balancing power too. Like when we work with Empress, we can really, um, there's real potential to bring it into a place of equilibrium, of balance, because we're receiving. And with Venus, Venus is so great because Venus, um, is all about receiving the good shit in life, but Venus will help us to kind of bring forward all that is not, um, kind of in the foundation or the bedrock of our lives. And it will smooth those over. It will supply, it will bring dirt to the plants. It will water the roots. There is so much that Venus energy can bring to Libra and so much that it can bring to a Libra full moon. So Empress is not just about receiving, but about getting really clear on where we're not receiving. And therein lies kind of the beauty of Libra too, in order to fill the cup, 
We have to see where the leak in the cup is, if there is a leak. So there's just such beauty to take part in today. And pink moons are always just so lovely energetically and very connected to the blooming of springtime. There's just such loveliness in this moon. So let this one be really lush and sweet to you. And um, even if it feels intense, there's still a lot to call in that can help make it a little softer. So I'm wishing all of you a beautiful pink full moon in Libra today. I'm taking a sip of water. Um, there's just a couple things uh, at the top um, that I wanted to talk about uh, very quickly before I get to our lesson. Um, one is an announcement that Monthly Medicine will be out on the 30th, so there'll be no episode next week. Um, I know that people love to hear it in advance, but I do like to wait until um, kind of right before to do Monthly Medicine because then the first comes and some people miss it and all that. So, um, I'm going to let that be and I will post it on the 30th, which I think is a Tuesday. So we'll be at a little different timing for that. And, um, I just want to say, I'm also going to mention this on, um, monthly medicine podcast, but there will be, there's like a, little announcement. Um, those of you who are working with me in a student teacher capacity know that I've been talking a little bit about doing some new material this year. There's like a new fall course that I've never offered before. Um, and we're also going to be opening up Soltero summer school. So almost every year that I've been doing Soltero school, which is just the name of my a cute little name for where I do my classes, which is just online. Um, every year that I've had Soltero School kind of formed, um, I've offered summer um, classes, basically either downloadable or whatever. Last year we did a really great set on the um, court cards as well as From Fear to Medicine. There were a lot of good things going on in kind of the spring and and summer. And this year, um, there's quite a bit of good things. So there's, um, a workshop that I'm going to be opening up enrollment for on Beltane that is called nourishing the wild heart, working with the sweet cards of the tarot. And it's a brand new thing. I've never offered it before. It is going to be downloadable, um, about three and a half hours of material, um, not live. And, is offering the same kind of expansive, loving, supportive care around how we can welcome in the medicine on the hard cards of the tarot on how we can welcome it in on the good. Because, you know, we can talk about the tower all day long, but I don't know one person that I've ever met who's been skilled without work about accepting the gifts of the Empress. And some people really struggle with the star. Some people really struggle with three of cups, 10 of cups. And this, um, offering is, um, really here is a love letter to that about receiving and opening and, um, expanding and welcoming in the good and the expansive. And I'm very excited to offer that. And, uh, there's going to be two more kind of larger offerings, one big guided course in the fall and one really nice, um, really meaty offering in the, in, in June that will come out. And so there'll be more information on my website about that in 
you know, in time, um, within the next week or so. So you can check that out if you're interested, but, um, just getting everybody excited that if you want to work, this is definitely work with me. Um, there are a couple options and we'll be sharing by Beltane or before like pricing of those options. So you can budget if you want to do all three or you want to do one or whatever. Um, we tried to range them in price so that everyone really got fed <clears throat> from these. And um, that's it. Just really excited to share it all with you. Um, so in keeping with tradition with what we did last month, I am going to spend this episode talking about the hero font because we are moving into tourist season like tomorrow <laughs> at the recording of this today, really. Um, when you hear it, I think it will be, will be in tourist season. Um, tourist season is a very powerful time. It's really potent. It holds a lot of really juicy power. You know, Beltane happens in tourist season, like the really strong, vibrant, beating drum of spring really kicks up. It's a very welcome transition from the hot intensity of airy season. We can kind of think of it a little bit like moving from having like a a beautiful but kind of screaming infant to like a nine-month-old. <laughs> That's, you know, or even like a two-year-old, like if we want to move up through the whole length of the lifetime through the 12 zodiac signs. You know, there's just, there's differences, you know, and even in keeping with the two-year-old theme, like Taurus's um, phrase is, I have, uh, which is really powerful and something definitely that two and three year olds are really exploring in that stage of development. So, um, it's fun to think about that idea of Taurus and obviously Taurus is relegated to different ages, but we're just talking about it with respect to that. And Hierophant is the ruling card of the sign of Taurus in the tarot. So we're going to talk about that today. And I'm very excited because like the emperor, I think that the Hierophant has, um, is a card that a lot of people struggle with, especially around embodiment, feeling that it belongs to them. So I'm excited to hopefully bring a little bit of liberation and freedom to that idea. But, um, you know, let's talk about Taurus. So Taurus in our zodiacal year in the wheel is our first earth sign in the new wheel and is very much a part of the wild young earth flowers are blooming, things are still kind of trippy. We can, we have in the Northern hemisphere, you know, kind of the beginning of, um, spring getting a lot warmer. There's, um, f uh, far less storms and a lot more kind of bright sunny days, a lot more warmth. The flowers are out. Things are starting to really perk up and in Taurus season, really everything is kind of blooming. Taurus is ruled by the bull. Um, there's very strong, a sense of, um, power and virility and fertility and like lustiness associated with a lot of Taurus energy. Um, there's tremendous passion involved in Taurus energy and how we can really work with it is by remembering that, you know, although we do get the opportunity to work with the hero font in Taurus season, we also, like we were mentioning before, get the opportunity to work with Empress. So, Sometimes if we are working with, um, well, actually we, 
never mind, it, not sometimes, all the time. <laughs> um, we always get the chance to kind of have like a year card return. So what I mean by that is that we are in um, a Empress hangman year in 2019. And we know that because we add up two plus zero plus one plus nine and we get 12. And then when we reduce 12 down, we get three. One plus two equals three. So we know that we're in a hangman Empress year in 2019. So we're kind of having a year card return because we're moving into Hierophant, which is ruled by Taurus. Taurus is ruled by Venus, which is ruled by the Empress. It also rules over a little bit of justice because Libra is also ruled over by Venus. Um, that's important because the whole point of working with your cards, um, whether personal or kind of the if And by the way, I also understand and completely respect that not everybody honors 2019 as their numerological year. If we're observing the Jewish calendar, like it is not year 2019 for you. <laughs> so I really want to honor that first and foremost. So um, for folks who are observing the Jewish New Year or the Jewish calendar, I believe this is a Wheel of Fortune magician year for you. I apologize if I'm incorrect on that. So when we get into Gemini season, you would want to work with magician, which is really exciting. And when we work with Sagittarius season, you would want to work with Wheel of Fortune because of Jupiter. So there's a lot of good stuff, belongs to everybody. But for right now, I'm going to talk about 2019 because it is what I have personal education around and knowledge and observation of, <clears throat> but want to completely respect that everybody has completely different beliefs and they're all they're all right on. So, um, but yeah, if you observe 2019 as your kind of quote year and, um, we're in an Empress return, which what I was saying before I wanted to segue into that is that, um, the whole point of honoring personal year cards and year cards in terms of whatever numerological year you honor is that we get to know the cards better because we get to sit in a soup of them for a year. That's what's really exciting. You know, I, I just moved out of personally for me, based on my birthday, um, just moved out of a tower year, which was very much a tower year. Like you would think it would be like amazing, amazing, incredible completions and powerful stuff like that. And like tough things, you know, really strong Mars stuff. And also, no, I'm a and Aries and Mars is really strong for me too, um, into a star year. This is my first ever star year in my lifetime, actually. And the difference is quite extraordinary. And I'm learning things. I'm also learning new things about the hangman by being in a hangman year in 2019. So it's so fun because we get to really learn this stuff. So I encourage you to think about where you're at. And if you want to find out your personal year, you would just add up your birth month, your birthday, and the current year. Um, some people like to, I like to, I observe personal year cards as turning over on my birthday, but some people observe it as turning over on the, the new year, whenever you celebrate the quote new year. Um, honestly, it could be any day other than January 1st, but whatever works for you is great. You kind of get to make up what you want because there are no rules. Um, so where we have kind of what, what all that has to do with Taurus is that we really get the chance to kind of double down on Empress energy. And if you really think about the idea of Taurus and the time of year that it 
blooms forth literally in the Northern Hemisphere, it's quite keeping with Empress energy. There's a lot blooming. There's a lot of receiving. We're receiving more sunlight. We're receiving more beauty. We're receiving more pollen. <laughs> we're like, you know, really in deep deep receiving, like even the food that's growing in the Northern hemisphere, we're receiving different nourishment. Like it's, it's a very strong parallel to Empress energy. And this is one way that we can begin to work with the Empress in a way that is not as triggering perhaps as thinking about receiving in these bigger themes, such as money, compliments, sexual pleasure, pleasure period, where we can just be like, Oh wow. Like I'm, I'm receiving the cherry blossoms today. I'm receiving um, the first strawberries of the year at the farmer's market. I'm receiving whatever, you know, um, I like to think of like Taurus season as being a really big invitation to receive, which is really nice. Um, so dropping into the hero font, the first thing that we want to talk about with the hero font is that a, a hero font in terms of the noun, what one is, is something that you can look up in the dictionary and to paraphrase it, um, a hero font is and was specifically a religious member, a religious person, usually a man, who was said to be able to decode and interpret the most esoteric texts, religious texts. So a hero font was essentially someone who was called upon to take old scrolls written in languages maybe long since dead that only the hero font has knowledge of or maybe doesn't have knowledge of who knows and uh the hero font is the one who has been ordained to proclaim that they have the power they have the gift they have the psychic clarity to decode the word of god and translate it so that everyone can observe it and that's the role of a hierophant historically. And you can do a lot of reading about that. I encourage you to. Um, so you can see right away upon hearing that definition, why this card is so tricky for so many, because even with what I've just shared, there's a lot of problematic stuff. I'm not shitting on any hierophants, but I will call out, <laughs> I will call out a few things. Number one, uh, often the kind of election and the ordainment of hierophants doing this work is pretty suspect. Um, there were a lot of political appointments that were made of folks who were considered the hierophants of their day. Uh, very often no one was allowed to question these hierophants. So, uh, if they received a scroll and said, you know, God says to do this, the word of the Lord says to do that, the word of whomever says to do this, um, nobody questioned that because to question the hierophant was like questioning God. Again, very problematic. So there's that piece. And the third piece is, um, not the third piece, I've been saying many things, but <laughs> another piece is um, this idea of the holding up of this person to be able to do this thing um, that was really very politically embroiled. Um, and the obvious issue with this is that uh, that we can see and probably back in those times they could see, but wouldn't dare question it, is that to have a human being say that they know the word of God 
that will later be passed down in texts, consumed and looked at and honored as religious law, basically, by thousands or millions of people, depending on the scroll or the piece of writing that was interpreted, um, we don't know the values of this person. We don't know whether or not they are true channelers, whether or not their heart is good, whether or not there is any kind of authenticity or an integrity to them, or whether they just want power, whether they just want to control. And therein kind of lies the whole heart of the Hierophant journey. Because the Hierophant has been for far too long, by the way, interpreted in traditional tarot tones as being kind of a teacher. Like if you pull this card, a lot of folks say, well-meaning folks, by the way, say, you know, a teacher is going to come into your life or this person could represent a teacher for you. Uh, with all due respect, and I do mean with all due, it's nonsense. It's nonsense for a few reasons. I'm not saying those people are nonsense, but I am saying that interpretation has failed all of us. And I want to basically go beat by beat as to why and what uh, I believe the Hierophant really brings. One, if you're looking for the tarot to represent an external thing consistently, you're barking up the wrong tree. It won't do it. So even if you get Hierophant and it has to do with another person, it has to start with you because that's all that we're going to talk about today is how the Hierophant is actually us and our work, our journey around um, calling out and in authority figures, questioning the supposed unquestionable and honoring the wisdom within us that there actually is no separation between the quote hero font and us. We are the hero fonts. So to bring hierarchy in immediately, this is old tarot interpretations, even from the best of the old guard are very steeped in patriarchal conditioning. They're very steeped in, in hierarchies. And we are here to dismantle that with love and respect to the generations that have come before us. Like it can be, it can be both, but we are now, we are, are you know, we are um, infused with different understandings of society and seeing how dangerous patriarchal hierarchies can be. And it's very important to begin to look at these things and say, well, who is this oppressing actually? You know, where, what kind of things am I upholding by saying that the Hierophant is another person, is a teacher? Um, you know, we have to think about that. It's really important to think about what you're saying in your tarot interpretations. And in fact, I'd like to go one layer deeper to a little bit more of a meta idea, <laughs> which is that by you buying what I have to say without questioning it, is robbing you of your own power by me looking at a tarot book and saying, well, that person says like, what do I know? That person doesn't know more or less than I do, even though they, they might have an extraordinary amount of education in the tarot. If a card meaning hits me, not in an egoic kind of resistant way, but in a, mm, that just simply, I don't know if I roll like that. That's not my truth. I don't see myself in that. And if we really sit with respect to their interpretation, we really find like, you know, I'm not, I don't feel that. That's okay. It's, it's not about them being wrong. It's about us stepping forward with our knowledge. And just by doing that, you are rewriting the traditional definition of the Hierophant. 
That is Hierophant energy in action. You know, this podcast every once in a while gets an iTunes review from someone who will say something to the effect of like, well, this is great, but Lindsay's not really talking about tarot. And you're right and you're wrong. You're wrong. You're right that I'm not talking about tarot, like laying out definitions for you card by card, but you are dead ass wrong that I'm not talking about tarot because the whole point of tarot, the whole point of this podcast is to learn how to live this shit, is to learn how to absorb this, how to go out into the world, even without a deck and see where these themes lie for you. And I would so much rather invite you into that than talk about theory because you can roll with theory in any book. And there are a lot of other good podcasts that talk about theory too. So it's really important to remember like tarot is no good to any of us if we're not utilizing it, at least for me, for a place, you know, in a way that really invites us up into evolution, invites us to think about things differently. I really believe it's been brought here as a tool to help us become more awake in the world. So all that is Hierophant. That's all. These are everything I'm talking about to you right now are Hierophant themes. And we're going to go even deeper with it. But that's um, one aspect, just one of kind of the old interpretation that's really hard and not valid uh, to me. The second really important thing with the old school definition of Hierophant, like this person is a teacher, um, is something that has been kind of missed. And we're going to talk about it throughout this, the rest of this podcast today. But there's a very important, very important, in fact, the soul of the Hierophant card is really in the realm of what I would say is wise discernment. In other words, even if the Hierophant shows up for you as a teacher, it is not in any way about blind acceptance of that teacher. In fact, I believe that when the Hierophant shows up in a reading, it is about actively questioning what our teachers are telling us, what we are telling our students, being an active, ethical questioning of ourselves, active review of our mistakes, where we may have done better, how we can do better, how we can listen a little better, how we can interpret a little better. You know, this is a co-creative universe. So many people assume that just because they are intuitive channelers that they don't have any more broadening of their horizons, any more education to move through. And it's not true. The more we educate ourselves about anything, history, philosophy, oppression, racism, our role in white supremacy, if we are a white person, the guides will speak to us differently. We will start hearing different things. It is literally entwined. The more we grow, the more our connection with spirit deepens. And this is what the Hierophant brings to us. It's one of the most complex, multi-layered, extraordinary cards in the entire tarot because it provides us not only with a reflection of our own ability to channel, to hear the word of spirit, because we can all do it. That is a birthright. It does not belong to some dude who is appointed by a pope or whoever, a king. It, it isn't. It's you. And it's always been you. It's just part of the robbing of the power that's been happening for forever. So not only is it you and not another person, but you 
and I and the next person are asked when we pull Hierophant to hold ourselves to the highest standard of review. When we hear something, when something comes through our channel, okay, this really feels like deep truth to me. And it felt like deep truth to me maybe a year ago, five years ago, when I revisit it, where does it land with me now? Does it need to be updated? Do I need to apologize? Do I need to make amends? Is it important for me to speak about the fact that perhaps I said something that omitted someone? Perhaps I caused harm. Maybe that's where I was in my spiritual education. Hero fonts are meant to be flexible. They are not meant to be fixed, which weaves us back into the medicine of Taurus. Tauruses are certainly not to... Uh, pigeonhole them because Tauruses are extraordinary, but are known to be a little bit dug in sometimes for a reason. There's a stubbornness to Taurus. There's a fixed energy to the sign. It's a very strong energy that rolls in that direction. So what is important with Hierophant energy as it's related to Taurus? Because I get a lot of questions like, Lindsay, I do not fucking understand how Taurus is connected to Hierophant. Here's why. Because one of the biggest things that Taurus needs to learn in this lifetime is to be flexible, is to be soft, is to be open, honest around mistakes, around situations that maybe they don't know a lot about, is to be moving, to be fluid like water rather than to be rigid in one area. And again, I'm certainly not saying that Tauruses are rigid, but if we're talking about mastery, because Aries mastery with the emperor is to learn how to like blast out that beautiful fire without burning the whole fucking forest down, being like the mountain, taking up that sacred space without overcrowding anybody. Taurus is to be the knowers that they are to have that information come through them and to have the ethical discernment to say, that was true for me. Now it needs review, you know, and to be able to say, I'm willing to allow my knowledge of truth, my knowledge of awareness, my intuitive knowing to shift, to evolve with me. I'm willing to go back to my old text to say, maybe that was kind of all I knew at that time. Maybe it needs to be upgraded, or maybe I kind of didn't really know what I was doing at all with that text. And I sort of did the best I could. So flexibility, Taurus rules, the throat, it rules the neck, it rules <clears throat> the vocal cords, the thyroid gland. So think about how powerful Taurus is the communicator. This is the first, Hierophant is the first card in the Rider Waite, in the Smith Rider Waite that we see that has more than one person on it, the first major. We see the Hierophant in channeling, in communication, possibly even in mid um sermon in mid kind of, um, service. And he's speaking to, to kind of novitiates to people who are actively listening, who are on their knees, looking up at the hero font, kind of holding him up. And there's a lot to be said about that image right there, that we kind of get the first sense that someone is higher than another in the hero font you know, in that card. But we also really understand the impact if we look at this card that what this hero font is saying is affecting these two men. And that's something that we don't always think about, believe it or not. 
I know because I work with a lot of people who reflect this to me. We do not really, as people, fully understand until we do, and even then sometimes it takes time with some relationships, we, it takes a while to fully understand the power and the impact of our words. And a lot of the time it's because we do not feel jazzed about what we have to say. We feel like we're powerless. We feel like who gives a fuck what I have to say? You know, who cares about me? Or, you know, there's an element of, well, I'll say whatever I want because I was treated unfairly and I'm going to treat this person unfairly. Like there's a lot of reasons why we speak the way we do. And a lot of positions that we can have where when we speak, we have a great amount of influence over people. What is important when we are in a position where folks are hearing us, are are learning from us, are taking in what we have to say is twofold. And this is really the invitation of the hero font to be really consistently self-evaluating, which we'll talk about in a moment, and to be aware of the power and the influence that we have when we share what we have to say, that we can be in positions of power. And I'm not just talking about teachers. Hierophant is a major parent-child card. So I'm about to, like, it is, it is the parent-child card. There is a reason why this card comes after Empress, Emperor, Because if we're really looking at the tarot from kind of the old school family system, you know, the fool is kind of the spark of life. Magician is sort of the um, essence of out. It's when we really come out into the world. The high priestess is when we go in. So we have that duality where we're out and in. We have empress as the proverbial mother, even though everyone listening to this knows I do not work with it in that interpretation, but just for our purposes of looking at the first light, the first line of the majors as being kind of from birth to 18. Um, and the emperor is the father, then Hierophant would be the realization of one's true experience and possibly even, you know, we can also say religious or, um, getting um, welcomed into a church in some way, but it also does have to do with this idea of this moment where we're confronted with some form of um, really big figures that have influence over us, whether it be a pastor, a parent, whatever. And Hierophant is about at the time when we start questioning whether or not that makes sense to us. And a lot of it has to do, if you sub out your, if you put yourself as a parent in the role of the hero font and you put in a child at your feet, what are they hearing you say? Are you thinking about what you're saying? Like, it's just something to think about because parents are not supposed to be perfect. That's, you're all doing an amazing job. Um, But it is something, it's very powerful to think about. We don't think about that in quite the same way that we do sometimes like gurus or teachers with this card, but it's exactly the same. Taurus rules the throat and the vocal cords. It's part of its job in the Hierophant is to speak what it channels. It's not just a channeler. It's a communicator, whether it's writing or speaking. And so when we embody this card, we're actually stepping up into a place where if we are the Hierophant, we are 
noticing the duality within ourselves, the normal ego brain part of us that is really dominated in the hierophant in the form of beliefs and the soul that is infinitely connected to spirit. And the softer the brain is, the more that we're connected to that infinite nature of spirit, by the way. Um, but it's always able to flow in between so that when we are in hierophant energy, we're holding the belief, but it doesn't dictate what we're saying, that we're speaking from the clearest, purest place that we can. And by the way, it doesn't mean that in a year we might not go back to what we've said and go, wow, I have really grown since I shared that. And that's perfect. Again, flexibility. Channeling is not one thing. It's meant to be consistently refined over time. My God, I am not even close to the same person, teacher, communicator that I was even two years ago, even a year ago than I was four years ago. I mean, truly, like if you're doing this work, even if you're connected to divine and even if you are aware of that connection, you are still growing. And that's part of the flexibility we learn in Hierophant is that we are meant to be questioned. We are meant to question ourselves on that. Um, not in a way that provides like doubt, but in a way that asks us if something strikes up in someone like, you know, where did that come from in you, et cetera. So, and, and there are times when we are the two people sitting at the feet of the Hierophant and part of our job when we are the two people sitting at the feet of the hierophant in the form of someone else, because let's just say we are the two people, part of our job is to also keep an open mind about that person's humanness. And if we are deifying them, if we are putting them up, if we are completely raising them up, then there's no place to go but crucifixion. There's no place to go. We've completely abandoned this person's humanness. We've not only allowed ourselves to kind of drift away on everything this person says is truth, but we've also robbed ourselves of our own autonomy. So that can be a very deep wound for a lot of people, especially those of us who are abused children, especially for those of us who are abused children with a psychologically abusive parent or a verbally abusive parent, because when you're a child, that's the only thing you know. So part of hero font work too is to actually rewrite that, is to come back and reparent ourselves, to go back to those moments and say, my parent was deeply imperfect and deeply wrong about what they were saying to me. They were in pain. It doesn't mean I have to forgive them, but it's not my truth. So it's really powerful to begin to hold both of those things because if you truly are, again, if you identify as a, quote, channeler and as someone who is open to divine realms, we are not in pure soul form. We are humans. And part of the deal with being a human is to be able to run all this shit through a human body with brain chemistry and adrenal glands and addictions and like all kinds of stuff. That That's part of the point. Hierophant is actually not something to be like conquered. It's not a problem. It's kind of the soul of the whole thing with this work is that you are always thinking, is it brain? Is it soul? Is this my truth? Is it not my truth? Is this something that's coming through my channel that I'm doubting? If so, why? And herein kind of lies the deeper spiral of Hierophant, which is that Part of Hierophant work, because Hierophant represents, and, and this is 
one of the reasons why I feel so passionately about exploring the Hierophant in this way, because I think that the Hierophant contains within itself a very honestly crucial to life um, invitation that is not present almost anywhere else in the tarot. A little bit in the devil, a little bit in five of swords, but not quite the same way. Um, because in those it's very charged and very strong in the brain chemistry narrative. The Hierophant is the helper and the teacher that helps us to unravel the knots of old untrue beliefs. Now, beliefs feel true. Thoughts sometimes feel true too, absolutely. But beliefs, all we need to do is look at someone who is of a deep religious faith to know that beliefs are fucking true to those people. Or we may struggle with our beliefs, but beliefs have a different frequency, literally a measurable different frequency in the body, in the brain. We talk about beliefs differently than we do with thoughts. There's a much stronger charge. And if we are believing something that is not true for us, it can create enormous suffering. And while, you know, pain is inevitable, perhaps, you know, suffering is most definitely not always sometimes, not always something we can avoid, but um, ideally something that we can have a little bit of leeway with, some optional work with. Um, beliefs are not necessarily the truth. If you are told something by a very shitty parent about your body every single day, it's going to register in your brain and your body as a belief. And it will it will absolutely have an effect on your hero fondness. Not in a bad way and not in a way that you have to like fix or bandage up. It's just something to know that when we have a belief, let's just say about the body, maybe the way that it looks or the way that it moves or a way that a certain body part is shaped, um, you know, whatever you are told, if you were told something like that, I know I was a lot, um, it just gets ingrained like, well, this is fact. And so then we not only move through the world like it's fact, but we wind up drawing in people who kind of match that, who will sit at our feet and go either, yeah, you you know, yeah, you're right. Or they'll say, no, you're beautiful. And we won't listen to them. Because when something threatens a belief, especially an untrue belief, there's a really strong kind of push from the brain to go, we'll get that person the fuck out of there because beliefs feel kind of almost survival. They feel very primal. So whatever you learned in your structured, integral kind of beginning environments, whatever, whatever, um, institutional parts of your environment that came into your life that had an effect on you, um, parents, caretakers, um, what religion were you raised in? How did you have religious freedom? Did it feel constrictive? Did it feel freeing? Um, what did you hear about hell? Um, what did you hear about jail? What did you hear about, um, like, was uh, either um, court system, prison, was that a big part of your life or was it not? How do you feel about police officers? How do you feel about um, the law? How do you feel about religion? Like the structure, the quote unquote old school kind of institutions. Um, it's not to say that those beliefs aren't true, 
but we can have enormously strong beliefs about things based on fact and proof, or they can be put in our heads as a very young age about how certain things are not safe. Um, I'll go in another direction. Were you told that it was unacceptable for you to not go to college? Were you told that it was unacceptable for you to not be married by a certain age? These are the kinds of things that get in our head. And by the way, it doesn't need to be from your caretakers. What were you told from the media about your weight? What were you told about your sexuality? What have you been told about your identity, about your gender, about your, um, about your name? Like literally it goes down into the bedrock of our being. Nothing is wrong, but we, when it comes to channeling, when it comes to being connected with kind of the spiralic nature of things, it is always important to check in, to be able to drop in and say, uh, okay, yeah, I do feel this way about, I do feel this way about prisons. I do feel like absolutely abolish them. Yes, that is my truth. And my channel reflects that. The next person might feel something different. So it really has nothing to do with um, someone's right, someone's wrong. If we are checking in, then there is usually space for both. But ideally with Hierophant, and really more accurately, not even ideally, what we're talking about, you know, prison and police officers are very... um, It's a very contentious area, obviously, and I have some very strong feelings about both. Um, But uh, as institutions, not necessarily as kind of, um, well, at least police officers, but definitely as an institution, um, I have very strong feelings about prisons, but that's for another time (laughs) and another podcast. Um, But the idea is to check in about the fundamental beliefs that you have that are actively carving you away from your truth. So some of what I mentioned might feel like enormous liberations for us. When I say, how do you feel about police? It could be that you were raised to think that all police officers were good and helpful. And it wasn't until you started to see more of what happened in the world that you realized that there was a duality to that. It could be that you felt like, elections were always fair. And this is a true democracy. And you could see upon getting older that that's not true. Or you could be very, very committed to the fact that it is true. Maybe what I'm saying is even triggering you. It's supposed to trigger you. Not because I am supposed to agree with you, but because it's an opportunity to check in about what we believe. And nothing is a problem. It's not necessarily that we were told something good or bad. Very often, We have to check in. What do we believe? What do we believe about this? What do we believe about us, about life? Is it true? Is it absolutely true? Does it match truth for everyone, not just you? Because that's sometimes an issue that we can run into, especially if we are white, is that we can really start thinking about like, well, yeah, it's true for me. But if it's not true for everybody, then it's not true, period. So it's really important to begin to think about that. As we start to think about those beliefs, untie those beliefs, it's usually pretty painful. It's usually really eye-opening. It usually has us questioning like all kinds of things for a while. It's usually wise to be a little quieter as we start moving more into that process. And then on the other side, our channel will begin to change. The way we communicate 
to people will change. The more aware that we might be about how before we knew more information, our words might have like, you know, um, not included everybody. It might not have been even anything that we believed. A lot of the time in this, you know, spiritual industry too, like not certainly not to call anyone out or in at all, but there's a lot of, um, well, my teacher says this, so I say it rather than thinking about one's teacher as being separate from the student and about the teacher being a human and about them. It's not to say we shouldn't hold our teachers high to high accountability, but there's also room for the teacher to not necessarily be eye to eye with you on everything. And I think that that's very important, especially as we begin to step into our own truth, that if we have someone who's been very influential to us, a mentor, a teacher, what have you, that ideally your mentor teacher is telling you to do your own thing all the time. That's the idea, um, hopefully, (laughs) and is consistently growing and changing and evolving in a way that feels uh, authentic and integral in the best way that they can. This is the idea of being a hero font. Taking it completely out of spiritual terms again, let's talk about, let's go back to parenthood again, or even nannying, babysitting. Um, if we were spoken to in a certain way by our parents, when we are in front of our children, there is a very strong conditioning to speak, move through the world, sometimes in a very similar way to our parents. For not everybody, but there usually is. To undo that, means that we have to go back and look at what we're believing, what our parents believed. Because belief is fucking passed down. It, it's it's literally inherited. Beliefs can be inherited because a lot of beliefs are wrapped up in trauma. If we our parent believed that something was unsafe, but it really isn't, then we may have a belief that it's unsafe. We may pass that down to our children. We're only talking about untrue because I do understand that for some people, certain things are truly unsafe. So that belief is, it's not a belief, it's fact for that particular person. Um, We're talking about like, um, well, I'll provide an example (laughs) of my own life. Um, I was basically put into a bra at like 10 years old and I have always felt like in a very strange way, my breasts like belong to, have always belonged to like my mom and my grandmother, like stuffing me in bras when I was developing super young. And I never had any opportunity to kind of voice what I wanted, what I would have preferred. Um, and now I never wear bras (laughs) like ever. Um, and that's been a very recent thing because it was like, having like chronic back and neck pain from like autoimmune issues. And like, I all of a sudden realized like, oh my God, I am believing something that what I inherited, which is that I cannot have breasts that just are free. Why? And it was very clear to me, like my family does not like messy shit. They don't like being seen. They don't like, and when you have boobs in a bra, it looks a little bit more tidy than boobs not in a bra for some of us. For me, that is true. So um, taking off my bra and like throwing it away, um, I actually gave it away, but taking off my bra for the last time was an act 
of hero font reclamation because my body, my, my soul, my truth is so much happier without that. And from there, there have been many other things that have opened up in me as a result of checking in, even with the minutia of, do I really want to be wearing this bra? Like literally to that level. So, you know, we've been talking about like big themes, like parenting, teachers, like all this shit. It can come down to as simple as, do I like my hair? Do I like my, do I identify as someone who has long hair? Do I want to shave my legs? Like there's these pedantic things, but that too is very steeped in belief. So it's important to be, when we pull here font, when we're in here font energy, to be checking in. What are we believing? And is that bleeding over into the core truth that is flowing through us? Because I don't believe that my guides ever told me to wear a bra. I just overrode them and was like, well, I have to, I can't even imagine. And now I just don't. And it was right in alignment the whole time. So beliefs have the power to overcrowd. And we also see the problem with hierophants historically being hired by like the law being related to the government is that there's a very high chance of whatever text or tome that a hierophant is interpreting, like not being the truth, not being completely purely channeled, but actually having a lot of strategy behind it, which is unfortunate. Wow. These sirens are loud as fuck. Um, that's the risk we want. We run when we have belief wrapped up with knowing when there is, um, a, a set idea of what should be or what ought to be, um, wrapped up underneath what is coming through because beliefs are really loud. So they can kind of overpower the cord of truth that wants to come from within. This is why it is so important to call in our, um, the teachers of the world to be able to ask questions, to be able to say, um, I would love to hear more about how that's true for you. I'd love to hear more about that. And people don't necessarily owe us an answer, but we certainly can ask the question and then decide where we want to take our time, our money, et cetera. So it's really important to be able to be doing this work with ourselves because the hero font is both. It is both an invitation to tear down the hierarchy of guru and teacher that is untouchable. We are not in those fucking times anymore. We are in the time of actively saying, um, I do not agree with this person and that's okay. And I'm going to move in this direction from here on out. Um, before even like, you know, that's still going on. Like there are a lot of people who don't agree with me about that and that's okay you know, to each their own. But, um, the other piece about hero font, the deeper piece is that we are the hero fonts. That's actually the truer thing is that when we pull the hero font anytime, it is immediately an invitation to scan whether we're believing something that's not true. For me, my first breadcrumb work with the hero font was before I cut ties with my uh, mother was, I would always pull that card when 
I was having a feeling of I should include her, talk to her. And it was like, it always came up. And that was spirit's way of being like, question that because that's not what we're telling you to do. Where did that come from? And I knew where it came from with time. It came from my grandparents encouraging me to always connect with my mom, no matter how abusive she was, because they were afraid. It came from my grandfather having a very abusive mother and a very ill mother. And it came from probably her parents being abusive, you know, so letting that stop with me is not easy. But once the belief is, once we are aware of the belief, then we can start to bring real root work to it, which is not easy, but it is very transformational because it changes the way I work with my clients. Because if I'm not doing that work, I may inadvertently encourage a client to to communicate with a parent that is not in alignment for them to communicate with because I haven't done my work on that. So we have direct effect. We really learn in the Hierophant the effect we have on other people. And that's not to say that we will not cause harm. We will inevitably cause harm to each other, um, even well-meaning. But we don't have to cause devastation and we don't have to cause, um, we do not have to operate within the boundaries and borders of control um, and of letting ourselves be kind of blindly led by just what we feel is true. Like our belief systems, um, the idea and the ideal thing is to really always be checking in. Is that the truth or is that something I'm believing? Is that a belief? Is it true? Is it both? Because ideally you want to get to a place where we can hold the belief and be in the truth. And that's any time we're doing that and we're letting words come through us, that's Hierophant. I'm in Hierophant today, not so much that I'm channeling, but that I had some feelings of self-consciousness, um, which sometimes happens to me, about um, getting on and doing this podcast today, just for one reason or another. And um, like sensitivity and because I'm, I don't know. I just do. I'm a person, (laughs) you know? Um, and that is real, but it's not true enough to not have me record. It's safe for me to put this episode out, safe for me to say what I'm going to say. And so for me, being here with you in this moment is also emperor or is also hierophant because it represents me holding the feelings, not shoving them away, but really holding them tight, holding them close, telling you about them, which I think is very hero font in the soul sense, and being able to just speak from my heart and speak on what I think the hero font is, and you might not agree. And that's totally cool. Ideally, that's where we're rolling with hero font. Somebody who is really honest about their process, who is holding both experiences, human and soul, and who allows the audience, quote unquote, to do whatever the fuck they want, to feel however they want about it, because everyone is their own hero font. And really, everybody is projecting what they're projecting at any given time. So, you know, Sometimes it has to do with us and sometimes it doesn't. The Hierophant is very powerful. It's the part in us that is intimately connected to spirit and to the great beyond in a way that we all are. It's not just special people. That's the 
fucking bullshit of the old school definition of this card. It's not just something that some special person gets delegated to. Everybody is a hierophant. Everybody is a teacher. Everybody has the gift to be able to go to that esoteric thing, that card, that experience, that, that, um, book, whatever it is to be able to say, I think I have something to say about this actually, that everybody has something to say about something and checking in with the intersection of where's my conditioning and where is my liberated soul? Like what is, where do they flow into each other? Is one heavier than the other? If so, can I notice it and still let that water flow through me in terms of what I say, in terms of what I'm speaking. Um, and it is most definitely a really intense fucking card in terms of like societal conditioning, because I know for myself, like I have done a lot of painful work in Hierophant just around like societal shit, like shit that I, that was programmed into me from the time I was a kid by either my caretakers or the media or, you know, um, white supremacy or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And it is hard (laughs) to see the truth of it, but we, you know, we must, that's the whole point. Um, and hard to confront the realities of things that we might have thought were good and important. And we find out that actually they don't resonate with us. Um, it's really about the liberation of self, this card, really about coming home to that. Um, coming home to ourselves as wisdom keepers. We are the teachers. We are the gurus. There is no separation and there is no hierarchy in this card. Even though um, there is literal hierarchy in the Smith Rider weight, I really, really feel with that present that it's an opportunity for me to always remember that my words have an effect on people, whether I, whether I know, whether I think they do or, or I don't, whether I believe that they do or they don't, they do, you know, they do. Some people don't give a shit what I have to say, but you know, we're humans, we affect each other. So there are at least some people who are affected by what I have to say and what I have to say, I'd like it to affect as many people as positively as possible. So we can all do this. We're not supposed to be perfect at it. And Taurus season is the time to get real clear on that because the more we shed old beliefs that don't serve us, the more we blossom. And that's the Hierophant, a very wild, soul-centered definition that is very much my own. Um, For a little bit, uh, for a cool lesson about the Hierophant, I highly recommend that you read Rachel Pollock's Tarot Wisdom, which I hope you do anyway, um, where she uh, provides such a cool example as the Hierophant being, um, oh, what does she say? I'm having trouble remembering. It's like 1030 at night, but um, the Hierophant in that book 
uh, she says is like a combination when you're in full hero font, you're in a combination of the high priestess and another card. And I can't remember what it is right now. And I'm sorry that I can't, I think emperor, uh, but I'm not positive, but it's a very interesting take. And it's a really cool way of thinking about these dualities within us. And Rachel Pollock also talks about the power of the number five, like how it's a number five card and how, um, if you put the one in the middle, which represents you, um, um, kind of as the human being, you have a two on one side and a two on another side, a channel and a channel. And it's basically brain soul. That's very powerful. Um, on a completely kind of unrelated Taurus, like a Taurus not related note. Um, it's very powerful to remember that the hero font is connected to the fives and fives. I usually call them contraction cards, but it's obviously way more complex than that. Fives are about starting at the top of a mountain, walking down into the water and coming back out. It's a journey that takes you down and up. Um, and it takes you into usually some contraction and some knots to untie in that contraction. And then at the end of the five, we are freer. Um, but fives are also about awakenings and it speaks to, I think, remembering with the relationship with the hero font, you know, all of us can tend to feel about the hero font, like it doesn't belong to us. It's really esoteric and it actually is quite earthly. Um, and it belongs to everybody, but remembering that it's connected to fives and fives are hard. So just remembering like this card is not easy for folks. It's about, it takes work. Just really remember that. Like it, it, it feels similarly to how fives feel. There's usually a lot of blowback and contraction because beliefs feel very true. And again, I want to make it really clear. I'm not talking about beliefs. I'm talking about untrue beliefs. And the way you find out whether something is true or not for you is just simply by investigating it and seeing, does this bring help? Does this bring harm? Does this limit me or does this expand me? And usually that's a pretty good test. If we're finding that it limits, then it's usually not true. And if we're finding that it expands, even if it feels scary or you know, intense, um, we are usually on the right track in some way. So it, it beliefs are really different. I encourage you to read as much as you can about beliefs and you can just start with Google, just seeing good resources to read about that. There have been books written about it. Tara Brock has written about it. Um, beliefs are pretty powerful things. So that's all I have to say about the hero font. <laughs> Happy Taurus season. I hope that this served. Um, I'm excited to hear and hopefully I will hear from some of you about how you are going to work with the hero font and the energy of the hero font, especially at this Libra full moon. Like what, what needs to be released for you to step more fully into your voice, into your truth. It's very powerful to think about. Um, I'd like to thank Chase Voorhees, who is the podcast editor and who edits all of these podcasts. Thank you so much for that. I'd like to honor um, our podcast art was created by Chelsea Iris Granger. Um, you can find me at lindsaymack.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Wild Soul Healing. And uh, I think that's it for now. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you not next week, but the week after on the 30th uh, with a monthly medicine for the month of May. And until then, take care of yourselves. Bye.